you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Jason Lacanfora and of course Brian Baldinger, part of this podcast as well, guys, as we talk about what happened in week nine. All right, we're heading to week 10, but we got to review and talk about some of the craziness that happened in week nine. And let's start with last night's game, the Monday night football game. Jets at home against the Chargers. This Jets offense, Jason, is abysmal. And we knew that they would struggle scoring points, but they're last in the league in that category. Zach Wilson last night, turnover city. I mean, not just him. It, it was turnovers all over the place for the Jets. And they lose to the Chargers 26 or 27 to yeah. 6. So, you know, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, this idea that Aaron Rodgers is coming to save the day at some point he's going to return this season. I don't believe that, and I just think this is their lot in life right now with their offense. Defense is still what it is, but they are not going anywhere because of this offense. Well, let I want to dig down on something you said, though. This is their lot in life. This is the bed they made. Um, True. You know, you could have pried Jacoby Brissett out of Washington. Uh, how did Josh Dobbs do after getting in Minnesota for 35 seconds? How did that work? Uh, he, he put on a show. He put on a show. I think people in Atlanta, people in Atlanta, right, are pretty aware of what Josh Dobbs did with, with no practice and no time in that system. You, you, you think Zach Wilson's better than Josh Dobbs? What, if you do, what planet are you on? You should be, you should be fired. <laughs> you should be terminated as, uh, anyone who has, say, in evaluating. NFL like I'm sorry that's a low bar the Zach Wilson bar to clear is low and don't tell me that you can't do it in season I'm not a big Baker Mayfield guy but I can remember Baker Mayfield on a primetime game just getting uh to Sean McVay last year right yep. and and beating the Raiders on the road like so you know this this injury happened four snaps in we all know what Zach Wilson is Right, they they wanted to go and show up. We're gonna get Dalvin Cook. Like like they did a bunch of stuff they didn't have to do. Right, getting all the old receivers back for Aaron Rodgers. So if you want to tell me, well, they didn't have any room in the bank or whatever. Not that Josh Dobbs was making any real money. I mean, I, I okay. Like if you want to try to, why did they go get Jameis Winston? Like I'm just saying, there's ways you can push the ball down the Options. field. You don't, yeah. it, it, you don't have to sit around right and prop a kid up when he completes a five. Like it's so bad. That they won some of these games, not because he did anything, but because the other quarterbacks melted down. The defense got, you know, an exorbitant amount of turnovers, and they're winning games, you know, in the teens. And people want to get him out of boys for, you know, booting out and completing a five-yard pass on third and fourth. Stop, stop, stop. So this is this is their creation. Um, injuries happen, and quarterbacks do get moved. And I think they bought their own BS. They bought their own hype at the deadline, and now they're paying for it because they're not a good football team. They're a very good defense. They're a horrible offense. That does not, not equate to a good football team. Um, and their special teams are showing cracks. So they're lucky to have the wins that they have. Like, they they are. That's my view of the New York Jets. And that schedule was always going to be tough. And I don't buy them. I yeah, don't buy it, them. It's, it's hard to win 9-7 well, in this league. Uh, yeah, kicking field goals. I mean, they kicked two field goals last night, one in the second, one in the third quarter. They had four fumbles. They lost three of them. Zach had three fumbles, lost two of them. 
So not only are you not getting quality quarterback play, you are not protecting the football. And so those things are, are recipes to bite you. It's a terrible offensive line. You know, I mean, and, and that's the other thing here. This Chargers team is not one that's ripping people's faces off every week and getting all this pressure. That's a bad Chargers defense. Don't get it twisted. Just because they faced a Division II quarterback a week ago in prime time at home and then faced a kid who's worse than that Division II quarterback. I don't care where he got drafted. He's worse than that Division II quarterback, even though he's been in the league much longer, in prime time on the road. Don't get it twisted. The Chargers defense has, has not gotten um, – you know, markedly better overnight. Brandon Staley isn't all of a sudden now some kind of master puppeteer over there. Like, wait till they face some real teams. Um, but but the reality for the Jets is you have that quarterback behind that offensive line. You're asking an awful lot of your defense. Like, it's 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 a joke. Justin Herbert, by the way, guys, fifteenth hundred career completion in his fifty seventh NFL game. That's faster than Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford did it in their sixty second game. We know Herbert can play. I still think Brandon Staley's holding that team back, but this was a game they had to have on the road. They got it done last night on Monday Night Football. And by the way, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, I'll say this and we'll move on, Jason. So he you know, says he wants to return before the end of the season. Uh, he dropped back and, and threw a few passes, 50 yards or so. I'm not questioning his arm. I'm questioning his ankle, his Achilles. And the, the idea yeah. that he's going to be able to come back at any point this season and not potentially re-injure himself and make this situation worse. It's nice to keep that hope alive, but it's not going to happen, guys. It, it, there's just no way. How many Achilles injuries have you seen, Jason, in, in our career, and a guy is back in, like, I don't know, 15 weeks? No, it's it's not going to happen. But, he, again, look, he's an energy vampire, and he's an attention <laughs> vampire. He needs, like, he, he, he craves that, and he needs that. So he'll keep having these displays. Unfortunately, this terrible operation is in prime time again this week, are they not? So we'll get yeah. to see more of that, all the lead up to it, right? There's nothing else to – there's no other game to watch, so you're watching the pregame shows, and my God, they can't get enough shots of this guy gingerly, you know what I mean, dropping back in his you know orthopedic shoes. Like, okay, whatever. See you next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to your point, you're absolutely right about that. We uh, we got to move on, man. And they are in prime time, by the way, against the Raiders on Sunday night. Baldy and I will talk more about that later in the week, guys. It's In The Huddle. Subscribe, like us, watch us on YouTube at In The Huddle Pod. And uh, make sure you get every episode. So the game in Frankfurt, Sunday morning, you know, I I'm watching. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed seeing how that crowd reacted and what was going on over there. Listen, they don't know when to cheer, when not to cheer. They're just cheering, right? They're just totally into it. But the game itself, Jason, let's talk yeah. about this. The Chiefs, you know, again, is it just Patrick Mahomes? Because you say they continue to find ways to get it done. And then this Dolphin team can't beat quality football teams. They can't beat teams that are over 500, that are, you know, playoff contenders in this league. Yeah. They've lost those games this season, and it makes me wonder how good they really are. Well, start with the Chiefs part of things. Um, the, the defense is is legit, and I thought this game would go under. Um, I, I thought I, I kind of thought it was going to be like 24-17, something like that. Um, but I thought it was a game that was going to be played in the low 40s. I thought that uh, Steve Spagnuolo would have the, the answers to the questions uh, for the Dolphins offense. And I, I, 
I feel like there's a little bit of a quiet, maybe changing of the guard going on. Or if you're a Dolphins fan, you hope okay. it's a changing of the guard. You know, as I, to the Chiefs part of this, um, they didn't. They didn't. The Chiefs didn't do enough at the deadline. Um, there is there is personnel issues. Uh, the offensive line. You can talk about. People want to complain about Orlando Brown all the time. I, I think I think Andy Reid would take Orlando Brown back in a second right now. The problem is Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals don't want to give him up. Um, they can't run the ball. Okay, so like last year it worked because the defense got a little better, not as good as it is now, but defense got better. They 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 you know understood the spag stuff more as the season went on, and Andy Reid from about week seven on went from being way out where he usually is in terms of passing percentage to much more back to the middle of the pack. They became a balanced team and they could run or pass on first, second or third down. They, they can't do that this year. Um, I think the offensive line has a lot to do with it. I don't think Pacheco's skill set changed a whole lot, but I think the lack of anybody making plays besides Kelsey and the worst offensive line um, and Mahomes having some games that are not going to be on his highlight reel uh, of his yeah. career. Yeah, like, and, and I think that not being able to be balanced and not having a second go-to guy, we've now seen it's brought out some of that just a little too much, like trying to do too much, that Josh Allen thing we see sometimes. We're seeing more of that in Mahomes' decision-making, thinking he's got to be Superman more than he has to. And so it's it's created a sort of a constipated offense, and nothing's breaking loose. Um, they're still a really good team. They're still going to win a lot of games. Uh, boy, I, I kind of think that this Chiefs team needs that home field advantage more than maybe ever before. We'll see if they get it. Not that the defense can't travel, but I worry a little bit about the offense traveling. Now with Miami, look, it's a tale of two seasons for them, my friend. The first five games, Carl, they went 4-1. and one. They averaged 8.3 yards per play. The last four, 5.5. They averaged 6.9 yards per carry their first five games. The last four, 4.4 above the league average, but not nothing, uh, no great shakes. 9.8 yards per pass the first five games, 6.6 the last four. Um, 36.2 offensive points per game, first five, 24 the last four. And Tua has gone from an MVP candidate with a QB rating around 115 to like the eighth best quarterback the last four weeks, still a QB rating over 100. You know, still 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, but not what it was. Um, now, they've got Jalen Ramsey settling in there. They got Xavier Howard back. Uh, I haven't been super impressed with Vic Fangio's work there to this point. Maybe things get a little better in the second half. You know, they get Jalen Phillips going a little bit more. Like, he seems to be healthier. I feel like they're going to have to get be a, more, uh, a better complimentary football team. Because this offense is not going to go out there and hang 30 on good defenses. They're just not. They're going to hang 30 on the dregs of the league, you know, but but they're not going to hang 30, 32, 34 on good teams. And the way that defense was playing early in the year, that's what they needed. Um, their best win of the season is probably week one over the Chargers. So, yeah, make of that yeah. what you will. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of executives in the league right now questioning the Miami Dolphins and wondering if that defense can step up, be more physical, create more turnovers, help the offense out. Um, because that offense has gone from otherworldly to, you know, a, a step above pedestrian, you know, pretty good, but not, not, not great enough. 
Mahomes, by the way, 20 of 30 in this game, uh, 185 yards, um, a season low, to your point about this offense. And then, you know, they struggled in the second half. Travis Kelsey only had three catches for 14 yards. So I, I agree with everything you're saying about this Chiefs offense. And, and listen, they absolutely need home field advantage. I don't think they go on the road this year and beat the Ravens at their place. And I don't think they go on the road and beat uh, Cincinnati at their place this year. I just don't. So they they are in need of it more so than ever, where the last few years, Jason, haven't felt that way. I felt like, you know, they yeah. could go on the road if they if they need be and, and be able to win. I don't feel that way. Um, by the way, we did see one of the crazy, wacky plays in this game, and I just want to talk about it for a second. Tyreek Hill, by the way, you know, all that conversation. They're going to get it. They're going to get this. And he really didn't do anything either. But that that fumble and the awareness, mm-hmm. right? Nothing good. Yeah, to give it to your teammate instead of just getting on it and, and getting possession. I thought that was an amazing play. Uh, Mike Edwards scoops it up uh, after Hill, you know, fumbles the ball and then Edwards lateral laterals it to Cook. It was just a crazy play. I had to rewind that a couple of different times because I was like, is that legal? And it absolutely was. It was a great, great play by uh, by the Chiefs defense. Yeah, biggest play of the game. Um, and the Chiefs defense is legit. Like, and they're going to get Nick Bolton back at some point. It's still maybe yep. four or five, six weeks away, whatever. But he'll be back for the playoffs. Um, I'm I'm buying what they're selling. And I love Patrick Mahomes. But this feels to me a little different than some of these other years. They got to find a way to run the ball. Like, I don't know if he's got to shuffle his offensive line. They 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 got to be a little more balanced than, than, than what they're getting. How good is Joe Burrow? Like, I, I watch him, Jason, and I say to myself, is this the – and listen, it's, it's way too early in his career, right? But is this like the second coming of what we saw with Tom Brady from the standpoint of when these big games come around, this dude just shows up. When you need completions, he gets it. When you need a touchdown at the end of a game, he's going to get it. Like, that is how I feel about Burrow. And, I, you know, I think he said this his rookie year. Like, I never feel like I'm out of it. He's not lying. And he he outplayed Josh Allen. No. Um, they, they win. All of a sudden now they're five and three. You know, they've won four, four in a row or whatever it is. And I'm just like, this guy is really damn good. And I know we know that. But have you watched how well he's played during this win streak? It's really impressive. Well, he's completing over 76% of his passes in these four games. Um, Ten touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, it, it's It's not... It's still not really bombs away all the time to Jamar Chase. You know, it's only 7.2 yards per attempt. Um, QB rating of 111.2. It, it's his ability now to extend plays that it's yeah. it's the element of him outside the pocket. So you got the combination of it being able to, we talked a lot earlier in the season, but he can't turn his back and play action. You know, he can't, he can't boot. He can't throw across his body. You know, he can't run to a spot, stop and chuck it, you know, buy time, draw people to him. Like, he, he couldn't he couldn't do that stuff um and now he can and and they're even getting these tight ends a little bit activated now which suck that's really been missing from that offense like they don't run it that well they run it just enough you know he sees that, that you're sitting back there you know and you're you're in cover two you're 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 sitting back there you know with a lighter box and two deep safeties he'll check out and he'll hand it to mix and maybe it's three maybe it's four but they do it just enough to keep you honest um and yeah, he's he's playing like a football wizard right now, and and I think he's gonna have something to say. 
about this MVP race when it's all said and done. Uh, and the defense is just doing what 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 you know they 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 force you to kind of dink and dunk things. They 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 take away your ability to have explosion plays. Um, they're getting a much better pass rush now than they were in September. Uh, I think the young safeties have settled in. This is what they do, man. Um, they're a really good football team. Uh, they're 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 pretty well balanced in the league right now. We're not a whole lot of teams. Um, not a whole lot of teams are. They've they've got a home field advantage. Uh, I I I I kind of like. I'm not surprised. I I I expected it. Like the only question was, could he get this calf to a point where they can do operate. the things they want to do and play action and outside? Right. And and now now they're doing it. And he could, he could also take off and scramble and pick up a, a an extra twelve or fifteen if it's sitting out there. So yeah. Look out for the Bengals. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a tough spot. I know you and Baldy might get to it more on Thursday, but, like, they've got C.J. Stroud coming to them, and I love C.J. Stroud. And what C.J. Stroud did um, last week is it, you don't see that from rookie quarterbacks pretty no. much ever. But, but I look at the kind of zone that Anarumo plays. I look at, you know, a Tampa team that kept blitzing this quarterback, even though he reads the blitz really well and he finds his hots and he kills you that way. Like Anarumo's not going to blitz him. Anarumo's going to sit there and toggle between cover two and cover six, and he's going to throw some different looks at him, and he's going to do some drops with the linebackers he probably hasn't seen. And I think this kid is only throwing one pick all year. is is going to struggle a little bit at Cincinnati. And I, I think Cincinnati's going to, you know, they're headed for a collision course coming to Baltimore a week from Thursday. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Cincinnati wins that game. Cincinnati wins that game. The AFC North is up for grabs, and the one seed, you know, they're in that equation. Now, Cincinnati loses that game, and Baltimore sweeps them, you know, unless Baltimore totally collapses, you know, good luck finishing ahead of them in the division and therefore, you know, in the conference. Um, but, yeah, I think both those teams take care of business this weekend, and then we finally get ourselves a, a, a big-time Thursday night football game. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, a meaningful Thursday night game. Burrow started the game six for six, 65 yards, just down the field. Whoop, whoop, whoop. That's my sound effect for throwing the football. And then they go in and score, and it was just like, uh-oh, this guy's on. It was, by the way, a season high, 348 yards for Burrow in this win. Um, before we move on, what's this say about the Bills, if anything? Um, look, the Buffalo Bills right now can't compete at the highest end of uh, the, the talent pool in the NFL. Like they, they just can't, that's not who they are. They're in that, they're, they're, they're no longer in that top tier and you fancy their chance. Well, they've been favored in like 34 straight games or something like that. Like yep. it's, it, some things are catching up to them. The injuries have caught up to them. Um, they're an average football team right now um, or slightly above average. But again, having to go on the road and play a team like Cincinnati, I don't fancy their chances right now. Unfortunately for them, go look at their schedule, man. It's murderer's row. Like it, it, they got a lot of tough games still to come. Um, I think they get in the playoffs. You know, I, I, I think they win a game or two along the way in which they're not favored, but but I don't think they win enough of them to think that they go into February and January and you think they can win three or four in a row against the best of the best. I, unless there's a, a, a magic elixir for Von Miller, you know what I mean, and, and he finds some Ponce de Leon stuff, Um you know, unless some guys come back from injuries sooner than expected, like I just don't see it in the trenches with them right now. 
<clears throat> you know, I, I just don't. Um, no, they're, they're struggling on either side. Yeah, I, I agree, Jay. They're struggling in the trenches. That's been part of the issue. I know Josh is like not trying to force the issue to run. We talked a little bit about that, that last week. But I, I think this is not a Super Bowl caliber team that I'm watching right now. And I know they're only five, you know, they're five and four. But it's like the, the, the flaws uh, are evident. And I don't know if you can cover those up enough. And then you need your quarterback to play at a that different level. He's not really far. done that. This is a team that needed to buy after that trip to London, right? And and it looks like they, they've been running on fumes since then. But, dude, yep. the buy's not till week 13. Like, the yes, buy's not even around the corner. Like, I just don't like the way the schedule sets up. And this is a team that needed their buy coming back from London, or they damn sure need it right now. They don't need it three weeks from now. Like, three weeks from now, I, I, you know, dude, can they still win that division? Yeah. Like, are, are, are they going to play more than one home game? No. So, with that said – we both agree about Cincinnati, but I told you last week, I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL and we debated, but I got to tell you, you start looking at how they're holding teams down. They held Seattle guys to three points on Sunday, and that was a second quarter field goal. Seattle didn't even come close to the end zone or even kicking a field goal in the third or fourth quarter. The Baltimore Ravens are seven and two. And I think they have a defense that can take them to the Super Bowl. What about the other parts of this team? I mean, Odell Beckham got a touchdown. And, I, you know, we talked about it earlier yeah. in the year where you said, hey, Beckham's nowhere to be found at camp and, you know, all the stuff that we had discussed. And now it seems like everybody's involved in this party. Baltimore, man, they're a problem. And, and, and I saw something. Spence, our producer, was saying this. He saw a stat where right now the playoffs started. All of these teams, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati would all make the playoffs, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we'll see about the Browns. Um, and they come to Baltimore this, this weekend. And I know that line has creeped up to six. But the more I dig in on this game, the more I think Cleveland Browns. It was 28-3. And I get it. The DTR kid played that game and not the show on. Right, but it was twenty eight three when they played five weeks ago in Cleveland. Um, it it might it might be a similar situation here. Carl, here's what the Ravens have allowed at home this season: three points, six points, twenty two points in overtime to the Colts. There was a fourth quarter meltdown. Nine points. So they've only played four home games, and, and you can't score on them at home. What does that mean? That means they got a lot of home games still to come, um, including everybody in the division still has to come to them because they've already played everybody in the division on the road um yeah Lamar Jackson's playing at an MVP level Mark Andrews might be the best tight end in football in this very moment mm. he's got more touchdowns than any tight end you know he's got he averages over a yard per catch more than Kelsey you know ha uh Hawkinson has more receptions you know Kelsey has more yards but he's top three in pretty much everything um including percentage of his catches that go for a first down or a touchdown and very much like Kelsey, it's him and everybody else in this offense. You know, like Rashad Bateman or people staying up late at night worried about him. You know, Odell finally got his touchdown in garbage time from backup quarterback. But, like, the dude's got 200 receiving yards all season and one touchdown. And that touchdown yeah. came from Snoop Huntley with a 30-point lead in, you know, with five minutes left. Yeah, garbage. Garbage time. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the passing that's the passing game right now. Now, the run game's a different story. And – what was amazing to me about what they did to Seattle was they ran 17 plays, 17 run plays with sort of macho personnel, with the fullback Pat Ricard on the field for a run play. 
They averaged just under seven yards per play on those 17 rushes with two touchdowns. They also spread Seattle out 19 times and ran out of 11 personnel. No fullback, three wide receivers. They averaged 10 yards per carry on those 19 rushes with another touchdown that way. So, they, and then you've got the third element, which is Lamar, when things break down, off script scrambling, he had 10 rushes for 60 yards. So they were like telling Pete Carroll, we're going to get heavy with you. You're going to see what's coming. You can't stop it. We're going to spread you out and beat you with sprint plays and beat you with this kid, Mitchell, who we got as an undrafted free agent, right? And we're going to gouge you that way out of 11, and you can't stop our quarterback either. Like, I mean, pick your poison. Uh, and then you have Lamar now completing, you know, on the season 71% of his passes, and he's leaned into the high percentage stuff. And the yardage numbers aren't gaudy, and the touchdown passing numbers aren't gaudy. But um, And he fumbles. He's got a little – they all have a fumbling problem. They're 17 fumbles. They're, they're tied for the league lead in fumbles, but he doesn't, he doesn't get picked off. So, and you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're a really good football team. Um, do they need another element in the past game in my estimation to win it all? They do. And maybe Rashad Bateman emerges as that guy. Um, I don't think Odell Beckham's finding a fountain of youth. Like um, I do wonder about that element a little bit, but Justin Matabike, uh, Woo. You could put his numbers up against Chris Jones in any category right now. Like Justin Matabike, they're going to have to franchise tag him, and that's your next $20 million, $24 million a year defensive tackle for the NFL. Um, we all know what Roquan Smith, he's been there a calendar year now since November 1st. They're number one in yards per play allowed since he got there. They're number one in offensive touchdowns allowed since he got there. They're number one in red zone defense since he got there. They're number one against the pass since he got there. And th- this kid, Geno Stone, who they cut a couple times, right, and and got back from the Texans a few years ago. He has more interceptions in the last month, Carl, than anybody else has, or as many as anybody else has all season. He's got six on the year, four in his last game, last four games. Nobody else in the league has more than four picks. He's got a pick in four straight games. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff going on for the Baltimore Ravens right now. There's no two ways about it. Um, and they're really healthy right now, which they haven't been in a while. Um but again, my, my concern with them is what people have talked about for years. And I think Todd Munkin is much more equipped to scheme it up. But like it's 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 the AFC championship game, and they're down by seven. And time's running out. You take away Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? Who and and Lamar doesn't keep it himself. Who makes that play? You know, who who who's gonna win for them? When right. the chips are down, right? And yeah, they, it's, and they listen, suffocate, it's, it's and fair. they suffocate Mark Andrews. I, I don't, I don't know that that guy's on this roster. The crazy thing about Sunday, um, and Jason just gave you all the numbers. Uh, they speak for themselves. This is a dominant defensive football team. Defense travels; they're going to be in games. The offense, to what Jason's saying, is the, going to be the key as far as in these playoff games, but. They had Seattle had six first downs the entire game, and they were outgained 515 yards to 150 yards. I mean, that's how dominant this performance was. So, guys, Seattle's not a fluke. That they're they're not playing terrible football. And after the game, to your point about that power that power game, Jason Pete Carroll was like, we couldn't tackle in the second half. These were basic plays they were running, and that made me laugh because it tells you he knows. Hey, this is what we're doing. Stop it. And they just couldn't. So 
they're going to be a problem. All right, Jason, let's talk about the Raiders because they fired their coach, they fired their general manager, and then look what happens. Uh, you know, football is kooky this way, right? I mean, we've seen crazy things. You brought up the Joshua Dobbs yeah. situation uh, with the Vikings beating the, the, the Falcons last weekend. This was one of those games, too, where you went, everything's supposed for the Raiders, and instead, everything went right for the Raiders. Now, I don't think this is going to be the rest of the season, but this Aiden O'Connell kid, we talked about him in camp. I mean, you, me, Baldy, we were talking about how good yeah. he looked. I didn't know what the situation was and why Josh McDaniels was hesitant to maybe go to him, but maybe they found their future quarterback. Well, look, I, I'm first of all, I'll just give you a disclaimer. I'm a huge Antonio Pierce guy. Um, back in my beat writer days at the Washington Post, when the Washington Commanders had a slur for a nickname, um, he was somebody who was kind of thought of as um, a, a dude who might – you know, maybe he cracks the team as a special teams guy. And they had signed, this is the beginning of the second Joe Gibbs era, and they had signed Michael Barrow to be their mic, to be the central nervous system of this defense they were installing under Greg Williams. And Mike Burrow couldn't stay on the field. And Antonio Pierce couldn't stop making plays. And next thing you know, Antonio Pierce is wearing the dot, and he's their starting mic, and he goes on to be um, one of their best players and create a real nice career for himself and go on and make a lot of money from the New York Giants to actually leave in free agency. Um, he has a, a natural natural leadership qualities. I mean, this was a guy who, again, he's like a fringe player, and he's leading that defense. And they brought in a lot of you know mercenaries and, and big-name guys and would continue to do so. And he had no issues you know, uh, expressing himself and raising his voice when needed to be even though he didn't have the resume that these other guys had. Like, there's some natural-ish to this guy. Like, and I wrote about this at the Washington Post. Unfortunately, this league likes to have this phenomenon where owners pretend they're interested in diversity by making the interim guy a coach of color, knowing he's going to get blown out in four months and I'm probably going to hire a white dude. Like, that's the way it's been. That's the history of this league. Like, I, I'm hoping that this is different. You know, I'm hoping that he gets opportunities that like a Steve Wilkes didn't get him. And we can chronicle a lot of them. We can go back to when Todd Bowles was an interim in Miami. You know, we 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 there, there's a long history of this. Um, I think he's going to have a shot to keep this job uh, because I think they're going to play their asses off for him. I think Mark Davis is going to walk in that locker room. And he's, you've already seen it. Everybody wanted out at the deadline. They all yep. did. They were all yep. on the phone with their agents all the time do we have a deal are they going to trade me are they going to trade me like they all like they were done it's a sinking ship get me the hell out of here i'll leave money on the table to get out of here and now they're hanging out in the locker room longer um and maybe at the end of the year at exit interviews not as many of them want out and mark davis lives in a in a, a shadow most of us can't fathom the shadow of Al Davis. And he's tried to live up to that in different ways. And Al Davis was the ultimate iconoclast. And so far, Mark Davis has just listened to what people tell him to do. And it's yeah. led to, you know what I mean, John Gruden and Josh McDaniels and a whole lot of money for not many wins. This would be the complete opposite of that. Antonio Pierce grew up in Compton in the shadow of the Raiders when they were playing at the LA Coliseum and when they were at the height of their cultural re relevance. And you, you couldn't turn on the OM. MTV raps or you couldn't turn on rap city 
and not see somebody in Raiders gear. So, True. like, I think that resonates with Mark Davis. And I think Al Davis, as being one of the few owners who truly did champion diversity in this business for coaches of color, whether they be black, whether they be Latino, for women, right? I think Mark Davis would look at this and say, you know what? Like, I would like to make my mark in that regard a little bit as well. And I think he's learned from the Rich Passaccia situation where they went 7-5, and five, they beat the Dallas Cowboys in Thanksgiving in Dallas, they got in the playoffs, and they damn near beat a Bengals team that was about to become the Super Bowl contending Bengals team in the first round of the playoffs. And he let the guy go anyway, right, to give a whole bunch of money to Josh McDaniels. Like, he's not going to bring Rich Passaccia back. He might keep Antonio Pierce if this feels and looks like Pistaccia 2.0, but even more so because Anthony Pierce is not that far removed from playing himself. And he relates to these players in a different way. And I can find somebody to run the offense. And I can find somebody to run the defense. But who's going to get these guys to run through walls and want to be a Raider and make being a Raider mean something again? I don't think it's all that different. And I know the results haven't been there lately. But it, to me, it, it, it might be a little bit like the Deion Sanders situation in Colorado where they're back on the map, they're building something, it's cool to be a part of again, right? And I don't have to micromanage every single thing of every part of this football team. I'm going to build a winning entity. So, look, are they going to go 7-5 and five like they did under Versace? Look at their schedule. It would be tough. But, yeah. man, if they're around 500 and he's sick of paying guys $8, $10, 12000000 million a year for nothing, and he's still paying them, you know, and I, 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 I would, I'm hopeful. As someone who has chronicled this league's despicable uh, willingness to chew guys up and spit them out, especially if the owner looks in the mirror and doesn't see his own color staring back at him, I hope this one's a little bit different because I think Antonio Pierce is going to create something there that is noteworthy enough for the owner to give real uh, consideration to him as somebody who might be able to do this even better if you gave him a full offseason and gave him all that prep time and let him coach a team from week one, not from week nine. It's a great point, Jason. It really is. Uh, and that's deeper than the game and the win itself because it goes to the culture of the NFL and it goes to the culture of what we're seeing around the league and how teams operate. You know, we talked about the Texans, which what happened there was despicable, but ultimately they hired D'Amico Ryans, right? And, and correct. And and I will say, I, I think they got this right. It feels right. And oh, yeah. even though it felt wrong in the way that they handled those two other situations, that's the norm in the NFL. That that is that's the norm. And so I totally agree with your assessment about Antonio. And hopefully they see this, they feel it, and they make that decision to allow him to maybe give, give, be given a shot. But Basaccia, you said it. He he probably should still be the coach right now. I mean, the way he handled that team, he should have gotten his opportunity. And and by the way, the oh, whole yeah. trading car, the whole trading car thing away, Josh McDaniels, you egomaniac. I mean, this is unbelievable. Whether you like Carr or not, and the decisions that have been made, and the way you know these jerk tendencies that he's got, it was easy to see that guys were not going to vibe with him and weren't going to play well with this guy. And you know, when they had that team meeting, Jason, that came out this week about guys going ham on him in this meeting, you know, and, and Antonio has to stand up and basically be the, the mediator. It tells you everything you need to know. There's not a team in the league where you have a team meeting and everybody in the room is talking about the head coach and what he's not doing. That's a problem. That's a problem. 
Yeah. I, look, I'm interested to see where this goes. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to play their backsides off for him. Um, they've got limitations. They've, they've got to find a way to get Devontae Adams a little more involved in these games a little sooner. And they're going to have to push the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, but Rome wasn't built in the day. And getting this young quarterback a win under his belt um, and an emphatic win they could play around in the second half. And let's now force feed Devontae Adams because we want to get him, you know, back to feeling like he's a part of this they had won the game at halftime and it, it really allowed them to check some boxes and treat the second half like an exhibition so you know yeah. we'll, we'll stay man um there's nowhere to go but up after what happened in chicago and what happened or what ha- yeah what happened in chicago what happened in detroit so jason i don't know if Dak prescott could play any better than he did sunday night and you feel like the cowboys could come mile on top in a victory down the road whether it's at home when they play later this season or maybe even in a playoff matchup I thought he had one of his best games of the season Micah Parsons you know co-signed that and was like he outplayed everybody today but you guys didn't get the dub and that's what it's about but CeeDee Lamb 11 balls 191 yards right you're, you're going to your go-to guys and they had a chance at the end but I think we both agree the Eagles, uh, their better team, and boy, the toughness of Jalen Hurts to play and to stay in that game was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, the Eagles can't defend the slot right now, and I, I think they're on their eighth or ninth different guy trying to do that. Uh, I thought C.D. Lamb would eat, and he did. I thought both quarterbacks would throw for two touchdowns. They did. Uh, I thought A.J. Brown would get to 90 yards he didn't he looked like he was going through in the first half but a lot of that played out like I thought it would a lot of points down to the end but the the Cowboys coming up short and that's what they do and and look the biggest takeaway is do you think the Dallas Cowboys could go on the road and beat the 49ers the Lions and the Eagles because that's probably what they're looking at or something close to it now right that that loss they're going to have a hell of a time winning the division and catching the Philadelphia Eagles. And if they don't, then they're going to have to go on the road. And do I think that's going to bring out the best in Mike McCarthy and this bunch of front runners? Hell no. You're not getting the Rams at home off a of bye. That ain't how it works in the playoffs. Like, I just – you know what I mean? They're good. They're, not, they're never as good as they think they are. And they sure as hell are never close to being as good as Jerry Jones thinks they're going to be or a lot of the fans think they're going to be. And that's the reality. And, like, if they were just a normal t- – team you'd be like oh whatever but you know it's just all the crap that comes with them and all the hoopla and all the hysteria for them to be what they've always been a team that punches down and looks great a team that struggles to punch up like um they i mean we talked about kansas city needing home field these guys absolutely positively bleepy 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 need it more than anybody they're not going to get it and that's going to be a problem for them uh they you know they ran the ball better in this game than than i thought they'd be able to and they haven't run the ball very well at all this year I would say you know look for Dak to have to keep activating his legs down the stretch as much as they've kind of tried to shrug that off um but they they're they're not for me a Super Bowl contender and and their path is going to render them even less of a Super Bowl contender that's that's their reality um Dak Prescott by the way you know (laughs) Self-inflicted wounds. That that last drive, you're in scoring position, right? You get sacked by Josh Sweat for 11-yard loss. You, you make the play to C.D. Lamb for 22 yards, but he's short, ball game at the five-yard line. Just self-inflicted wounds. And, and that's the kind of stuff with McCarthy 
whether you go back a couple of years ago and how the game ended where they didn't get the playoff or you wonder, was this the right call or, was it, you know, what were they trying to do uh, to try to get in the end zone? I, I don't know. But it, these are questions that Mike McCarthy ultimately yeah. is going to have to answer. You don't want him managing those situations. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And that that's part of the issue, close, Jason. I close mean, and late having to come from behind. Close, late, on the road, having come back, coming back from behind, fighting the clock. Forget it. Yeah. I, Against uh, the real defense, forget about it. Well, and here's the thing. So you go from that game where you played really well, you get the Giants. They're decimated with injuries. And we didn't even mention, you know, the Daniel Jones injury. He's done for the season. The Giants are done. So you get an easy game, all right, at home for the Cowboys. Eagles take a week off, and then they go to Kansas City in a Super Bowl rematch on November 20th. So the Eagles are the only 8-1 team right now, guys, in the league. And, and I still don't think they've played up to what I thought this team would be. I don't think they're playing their best football, yeah. believe it or not. So no. that's the thing for the Cowboys is I don't think the Eagles are playing top-notch football or what they're capable of, and they're still 8-1, and, and they still beat you. And look, the, the Cowboys are not – like the Cowboys equation doesn't work when you lose to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cowboys equation only works when you punch down hard every opportunity you have. And they let one slip away. And the, the and the Eagles are going to win 13 games, you know? So, like, how does Dallas get there without beating every lesser weight that they play? It, it the, numbers don't, the numbers don't add up because they don't beat enough good teams for them to add up. No. Uh, best teams right now, guys, and we'll talk more about this next week. Eagles, Chiefs, 49ers, Ravens, in no particular order. Bengals with their four-game win streak. A streak, and, and then you got the Lions. Don't write the I'm Lions to... off either. You know what I mean? I'm not. We, we got the I... Lions, the Jags, and the 49ers coming back off a of bye. You know what I mean? And it's easy to kind of, you know, forget. But I think all three of those teams will have something to say about the hierarchy when it's all said and done. I do too. And, and Jameer Gibbs has looked great. If they're going to run the football, the Lions are able to run the football with Jameer Gibbs. That's going to create a whole nother vibe for them. Man, we got to roll. We appreciate you guys being here as always. Yeah, man. It's going to be uh, an interesting week 10. Jason, follow him, guys. Read him in the Washington Post. Make sure you check check him out. Baldy will be here on Thursday. We'll look ahead to the games uh, coming up in week 10, and we'll do some breakdowns as well. Jason, man, have a great day. Thanks for being here, everybody. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 